everybody welcome back to Harry Impact I'm Cassandra Gileos and today we're gonna talk about my science and you know how much how much passionate about I am about women's and especially women's science and you know uh, what they have given us uh, in life and what they produce that actually lasts for a lifetime and even much more, many centuries after they have died. And one of those is pretty unknown, which I didn't know about her. I just, you know, just happened to fill in a YouTube video about her life. And it was quite amazing because I became like a fan of, of all her work is the botanical artist Maria Spila Marian, who died in 1717 and was, uh, was uh, came to this world in 1647. So pretty many centuries, about, uh, we're talking about centuries ago, about her life. So this woman, Maria, uh, was actually pretty known for her drawings that show the natural world of Suriname and her and her two daughters support her and they actually learn from her and they uh, done themselves some drawings and uh, the beauty museum has some of her uh, of her work that you can actually visit them and you know see the her magnificent uh, art but they all started from, you know, observing the world around here and uh, the insects and the leaves that and the flowers that they just show, um, you know, nature around here. She, she just want to capture it. And she did very remarkable work and that give the first send of, you know, uh, reporting and documenting. For science so natural science is actually very lucky to have her and uh, as I said the British Museum they have two large volumes of her watercolor illustrations of wildlife so you can if you are close by you can visit it and just you know being stunned about how magnificent she could actually be this woman this artist um, so let's start with her life story so it, it, she was born in Frankfurt in a very um, successful print publisher uh, family she was the daughter of uh, Matthäus Marion the Elder and his second wife Johanna she is if she was her mother was a French speaking Calvinist. Calvinist it was a Protestant branch of Christianity back then and uh, has spread across Northern Europe, England, Scotland. By 1626, her father had taken over the publishing firm. Uh, which was uh, established by her grandfather of his uh, wife, first wife, so before Johanna. 
this family of artists, let's say topographic artists, uh, were refugees from Antwerp. And when they settled in Frankfurt, they have reached international fame through the illustration, illustrated books of their uh, Protestant voyages. So she comes from actually pretty famous back then family of artists. So it makes sense that she was also uh, an artist uh, herself. Uh, so um, actually they have the most famous one of her family is uh, John White which uh, are American tribes to European audience that's how they were introduced um, they uh, amaze readers by these watercolors of uh, Spanish conquistadors' treatments of indigenous people, how they treat them, how they torture them, how they murder them. So art can be a form of informing people and educating them of what is going on in the world. And her family did that. And as, as Maria too. <laughs> um, in 1633, uh, her father he did a contemporary event called Thetrum European. Uh, it's kind of a topographical series of Central Europe. Both, um, so two works of these. Uh, these works are, there are many volumes. And after her father died, Maria was just three. So, but still her the business flourished under her half-brother, an artist who specialized in portrait. So every single member of her family had, uh, was specialized in specific um, illustration time. Her ambitions, at the, it was, she was really pretty ambitious from her early years because of the art and the business enterprise um, they just feed her ambitions uh, to find herself what she can do she was obsessed with the origins and the development of insects from the age of 13. she was uh, seeing what caterpillars uh, for more than 50 years she read it uh, recording all stages of the metamorphosis of her caterpillars and she captured them on paper. So that was pretty important foundation for for the development of entomology, the study of insects. And that's how Maria helped in developing the science of that we know now. Uh, when her dad father died, her mother married, remarried a flower painter, Jacob Morrell, so he was also influencing and stimulating her interest in the natural world. He helped her, uh, develop a highly style of drawing bright colors on vellum, and she herself married in 1665 one of her stepfather pupils, Johann Graf, and they moved uh, 
to his native city, Nuremberg, where Johanna and Dorothea were born, her daughters. Here she published uh, three volumes of a book containing traditional style flower engravings in, uh, from 1675 to 1680. But her first scientific book on metamorphosis called De Ruru Werberdern, okay, my Germans are not are very bad, so I will read them in English. What is what's called this book? The wondrous transformation of carbillas and the remarkable diet of flowers. It was published by her husband, and each illustrated each of the volumes uh, illustrated fifty engravings of carbillas. Uh, you know, butterflies, moths, uh, in their natural habitat. Uh, and the third part of it was published by her daughter Dorothea later on. So that's how she started with her husband. She continued when she left Germany because she was not really happy in Nuremberg with her husband. She spent more time in Frankfurt with her mother after her, after her stepfather died and she separated from her husband in 1685. Both Maria and her mother were, uh, they moved to, to the Netherlands afterwards with her daughters to join a Labadist community a protestant movement named after its French founder, Jean de la Baudière, a squaloche maqua, which her half-brother already belonged. So that's why they moved afterwards in Netherlands. When, after her mother died, she moved with her daughters to Amsterdam. Uh, it was back then the center war trade and it was uh, here that she found her true vocation and became associated with influential scientists of the city. Uh, there are two professors in Amsterdam that they helped her do that. It was Dr. Nicolas Witsen and Frederick Ruijk, which gave her access to their prized collection of specimens. So she wrote afterwards, her surname book in Holland I saw with wonderment the beautiful creatures brought back from the East and West Indies and that's why she moved afterwards to Suriname uh, for a short time it started this community called La Providence which included a sugar plantation in Suriname this gave her the idea of traveling to the country to further her study in wildlife. So uh, back then men were doing these uh, travels for sugar trade and it was quite hazardous. It was very dangerous, let alone, you know, a 52 year old woman traveling along with her daughter Dorothea. Uh, she, she made many expeditions along uh, traveling to Suriname through the Atlantic of the wideness of the tropical interior of the country. She collected specimens, making drawings and waiting for them to develop. 
these journeys were harsh, but she but she it's clear that she rely on enslaved people to help her. One would could find a great many things in the forest if it were possible, she wrote. It is so intensely overgrown with thirstless and thorn bush bushes, I had to send my slave ahead with axe in hand to have an opening for me to proceed even to a certain extent, which nevertheless was very difficult. So slaves were her helper. Which is not really nice to hear, but back then I'm guessing that it was pretty common for people to have slaves which is pretty um, disappointing <laughs> to hear at this stage for us women in science. Uh, her work was quite peculiar for the people back then of uh, that sound here. Uh, she lists a number of interesting plants, cherries, vanilla, figs and grapes that she believed could be cultivated back home uh, in the Netherlands. Then when she returned to Amsterdam in 1701 with sketches samples of the plants, dry insects, various uh, amphibious and reptilian specimens, including a crocodile, preserving alcohol. That's where there are other the outcome of that journey. She spent her remaining years in Amsterdam, in Amsterdam focused on the finding of her surname publication with her own engravings and commentary and the production of associated version of her watercolor compositions. And if you go to the British Museum, you find pretty many posters in her shop but online you can see them how beautiful her um, her work her art is I mean you can really see the details and the colors is so vivid and it's actually very strange how um, the amount of uh, detail you can see her technique included to work in a studio then she makes sketches and on the spot and then she continues on her studio so where she transform sketches to conversations in bright colors with watercolor uh, body color on large sheets of vellum and that's why they can stand out if you see them in 1705, the book she published on Metamorphosis of Suriname remained her most famous work. It's a beautiful and desirable book that can appeal you. It's so beautiful if you love art or insects. And her innovation of representing insects and seeing um, you know a power of so it's like taking photos in some of your art you know I see now the toucan with the red and yellow bill and black body that he's eating a small um, 
bird so vivid if you see that one and that's why her work is so important you know you because when you see scientists of now they take photos of course they don't draw back then back then photographs were not really available so much they didn't have iPhones or Androids back then <laughs> and that's why you understand the concept and the you know how much importance you can find in these drawings and her work and you see them they're so vivid I mean you, you can actually see so much details that a photo cannot give you even more because she was so brilliant artist so her last years, um, she, her work was, of course, admired by natural scientists of the period, including the founder of British Museum, Sir Hans Sloan, and that's why they have a lot of her drawings. Um, they picture an album containing 60 drawings. Uh, in... Uh, so and that's in uh, 1706 he drew he wrote to dr john philip a botanist that the collection of the butterflies moths of marianne painted on vellum beyond compare uh, recommendation about 200 guineas which i'm consider is about fifty thousand pounds today english pounds and that's show the respect they have for Marian. Uh, towards the end of her life, she was in poor health. She had a stroke in 1715. However, uh, after her death, her Joanna, uh, her daughter, who was, who was still, still living in her surname then, sent samples of uh, Dorothea that she walked uh, to her caterpillar book and uh, this appeared just after uh, Maria's death in Amsterdam in 1770 at the age of 69 which she was pretty young but I'm guessing back then 69 was well too old in the 1770 and well she legacy continues to be important uh, you know, if this is the foundation of science. She was the founder of science. And we don't recognize these women that we find them not important. You know, um, we don't know them. We don't, we are not taught in schools. And at the end of the day, women, as women, women science, we don't see them. We don't know about them. We know about Einstein and about so many men in science, but we don't know about the women. And, well, we don't know anything about them. And that's unfair, you know. And when it will change? I don't know. I have no idea. But I hope one day the children or our grandchildren will learn about Maria Sibylla Marian, her work, her um, art, that changed in so much the science in insect and that's at the end of this episode thank you for being with me with another story
life story of a true woman in science. And I'll see you next time with another intrigue science fact or story. <laughs>